check. Well, good morning, Mount Zion. Wonderful to see you today. Good morning to everybody online this morning. God bless you. I hope you brought your praise with you. I hope you're thankful today, just for the day. Let's just be thankful. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul. I try with all of my might, and I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting.
excited about today. I hope you came being available to God. I hope you said, I'm here for you, God. I'm here for you. Because we have a lot of things going on, and I want to encourage you that today could be a great day. It can be a day in which you mark that something changed in me. I just believe that today, and I pray that today as well. We have a couple of great opportunities coming up in the next couple of weeks. October 13th. We, I hope you understand, we get to go into the elementary schools. God did not say, go build a church and make sure you get it people each Sunday. He said, go and preach to all the nations. Everybody say, go. go. That's right. So we have an opportunity to go to both Pioneer Elementary and Pine Grove Elementary. Pine Grove Elementary is on the 13th. Is that next week? That's already next week, isn't it? Man, it's happening so fast. It'll be Christmas before we know it, huh? But don't start decorating already, okay? Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> October 13th, we will meet, and we begin at 6 p.m. up there. We're going to meet down here. Um, what time? At 4 o'clock, right? Is that a good time? 3.30, 4 o'clock, whenever you can get here. 4 o'clock works? Okay. 4 o'clock works for you. Oh, really? Oh, I thought it started at 6. I know this. Oh, Siri thinks I'm talking to her. Um, okay, I was wrong. You were right. So we need to be here at 2.30 if possible. We are not doing the bounce houses, Correct. Oh, we are doing the bounce houses. Okay. Oh, that's right. Okay. Will you remind me of all this tomorrow? Thank you. Uh, we'll be doing some bounce houses. We're gonna, we do have some volunteers already. They're going to be there to help us, but we need as many as our church especially just to hand out gift bags, let them know that we love them and serve them, and uh, we just really need everybody to come. Look, we don't have a lot of people, so we need everybody we can to come and love on people, pray for people, be there for people. We have an opportunity to get right into the thick of it, and we want to be there. We're blessed to be able to be a church and go onto a school campus. Let's take advantage of it. Amen? Amen. And then, is it true about the next one, too? And then Pioneer Elementary on the um, 27th? What time does that start? 
I was completely wrong. Five, so we'll meet here at three, and, and uh, we are at, we're not doing bounce houses at Pioneer. That's where I got confused. So that will be in the week, uh, two weeks after on the 27th, and uh, we'll meet here at, at about, what, it starts at five? So three o'clock would be great. We need help popping popcorn, doing the bags, doing the cotton candy, all that kind of stuff. So anything you can chip in. If you could bring some candy in. Um, we did get some this week, but if you could bring some either during the week or bring some this Friday, we need candy to stuff into those bags for not only this week, but in a couple of weeks at uh, Pioneer, as, Pioneer as well. So we, these are great opportunities for us. We don't get a lot of them. So we encourage you to be be a part of that. Also, refresh. Uh, oh, did I do that in the bulletin this week? Oh, man, I messed that up. I know I used the wrong thing. Uh, Wendy, you, I know you have chili and cornbread, but I messed up the today thing. Uh, hold, hold on a second. What? When is it? The seniors thing? I messed it up on here. The 19th, October 19th, and their theme is chili and cornbread. Sorry about the mess up on the bulletin. I think I, yeah, it's the 8th. Is it, I messed up on what day it is. All right, it's the 8th. I got that right. And also, it was great to see a good amount of people downstairs for the awe of God, uh, a great Bible study. They were really having a good time. I encourage you at 9 a.m. to come on Sundays. It's a great opportunity. One other announcement before. Before I let you go and uh, meet and greet each other, uh, you know, we have a real need in this church to be prepared for what God has for us. We are the stewards of the people of our county, and especially in Pine Grove and Pioneer. We're the stewards of these people. And until we develop a powerful children's ministry, people are not going to stay with their kids. So it's almost like, well, why do we need this big children's ministry we don't have that many kids? Well, that's why we don't have that many kids, because we don't have a big children's ministry. Build it, and they will come, so to speak. So we do have lots of plans in the interim to knock out some walls and to redecorate down there and rebuild the children's ministry, but we're always going to need more bodies. It can't just be one person down there when we have toddlers all the way up to fifth graders. We de definitely should have two people every Sunday. We're going to bring back Family Sunday on our san Sandwich Sunday services. We will not have children's ministry. So we're talking about three Sundays a month. Three Sundays. So if you can volunteer for one, just one Sunday a month, then we just need five other people. That's not that many. We should be able to have that many people with a heart to just love on our kids. The curriculum's not that complicated. It's not that difficult. Or you can do something of your own. Let me tell you how times have changed. Ruth Graham, her kids, Billy Graham and Ruth Graham's kids, used to always talk about Thursday night Sunday school because Ruth Graham ran the Sunday school program. And she always did the Sunday school program on her kids first on Thursday night. So she would be ready on Sunday. We're not asking for that kind of commitment, but I think God is. I think God is saying, can you commit to these little ones? That's what we need. And I know some of us have raised our kids and we're like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm done, I'm done. But God might not be done, and you're needed, and we need you. So see Debbie uh, if you can help out in children's ministry. If I can't convince you, she will. She loves it. And
Well, they might not know they can do it, and that's why they need to see you, because it really isn't that difficult. Okay, there's one. There's one. There's two. There you go, Deb. Deb got her wish. I wish I could say it's a surprise, but normally my wife does get her way. <laughs> so listen, this is our meet and greet time. What do we do in meet and greet? We want to bless each other. I hope you prayed up. I hope you thought when you came in this morning, who am I coming to bless? Who does God want me to use? So I want you to find at least one other person and encourage them during this five minutes of meet and greet. You got five minutes to encourage someone. You can do it. Ready, set, go. So high in the sky For your glory I sing In a sweet baby smile I give thanks For those times when I've laughed With my family and friends For the times when I've cried Since your spirit again For your love that I find When your praises I sing I give thanks for my clothes in my bed, a roof over my head, and a piping hot meal when our table is set for a walk on the beach where your beauty is seen. I give thanks for the sound of the saints when they all join in and proclaim. God, the forgiver of sin, for there's hope in my heart that forever I'm yours. I give thanks, I give thanks, I give thanks. and stars, mountains, valleys, and trees, for the years that you've shown only kindness to me. I give thanks for the stripes that you bore so that I could be healed, for the crown that you wore so that I could be free, for your blood that you shed, given freely for me.
everybody online this morning. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks for being a part of our church. If you'd like to support this ministry, you just go to the link up there at mpgchurch.org. We have online giving. It's really safe and secure. And, uh, you know, we appreciate it. But more importantly than any of that, we just want to hear from you. Comment or send us an email or message us. We'd love to hear from you. How is this ministry blessing? What are your needs? How can we serve you? How can we pray for you? We love having you as a part of our family, but we'd like it to be a two-way conversation. So if you get a chance, shoot us a line, okay? We'd love to hear from you. God bless you and stay for the rest of the service today. We're going to talk about what church is and the battle for the church. And uh, we are in that right now in our country. So please stay tuned today, okay? You're up for offering, you know. You're up for offering if we ever get to it. Oh, yeah. Baby alert. Baby alert. Thanks, Nalani. Causing big disruption with you and Isaac. Oh, see... <laughs> all right. God bless you. Did you guys all encourage someone? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good morning, church. Good morning. Lord, uh, Lord, I'm just thankful for uh, the group that's in here, Lord, and um, it's just a, just a fun group to be around, and we share a commonality. Our commonality is you, Jesus. And we love you. We came here to serve you. And we like spending time with you, but we also like spending time with people that uh, also believe in you and follow you, Lord. And we're thankful for that. We're always thankful when we're around uh, people that just feel love towards you, Jesus. And there's, that's something special. And we're thankful for that, Lord. We're thankful for the church that we can do. So we uh, go into offering today, Lord. I just pray over everybody a spirit of, uh, first of all, that you just go inside of them, Lord God. Take out any fears, Lord, and uh, put in place just love, Lord God. Love for others, Lord God. And also put in place that uh, a confidence that when we're doing your mission, Lord God, that you just smile. Lord 
God, and you just push us forward and you protect us, Lord God. Take out all fears, replace it with love for you and for others, even for the ones that uh, we don't want to love, Lord God. Just fill us up with those feelings, Lord God. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that we know you. And we thank you that we know each other in this church. And may that reflect in our giving. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. Amen.
nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare your living home. Your
Father, forgive us for times when we thought we need something more than you. We know we have everything we need. Your grace is sufficient. We proclaim that today, God. You're all I need. You're all I want. Now just help me know that, God. This morning, Lord, we particularly let bring to you, to your feet, the people of Israel this morning. The families that are hurting and struggling, the ones that have been kidnapped, God, release them in the name of Jesus. These are your precious children, God, and we know that you love them. We know that they will overcome this, but Father, we just pray for peace, pray for comfort. We pray the enemy be cast away in the name of Jesus. We pray for wisdom for the world, leadership, for those that come alongside Israel. We pray you bless them. This morning, God, we know there are people in our church, people online that need a touch from you today, whether it's healing of their bodies or their minds, or maybe it's a touch of their heart to remind them how much you love them. Father, I lift up those in our church today that have been just struggling. Will you just move in them? Will you just right now touch them? Nothing beats that personal contact with you, God. Open us, open us up to you this morning, Lord. As we go into your word, let us still worship you by opening up our hearts, our minds, our ears, and submit to you in your word. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 God is good. And all the time, he is. Do keep your prayers on Israel. They say it's the... Uh, it's interesting, you know, the days we live in. It's the worst attack since 1940, before 1948, when Israel gained its statehood. Probably one of the most important biblical dates and times of our history. And uh, they need our help. They need the world's help. They need prayers. That, you know, I, I, I don't believe they'll be defeated ever. I think God's hand is upon them. But that being said, tell that if I was listening to this poor guy talk about his family, his friend's family, and how these terrorists just came right into the home and just killed all the family. And they would kidnap people, and they were, it was just horrible. They're calling it their 9-11 at their Pearl Harbor, it's that bad. And so we need to keep our eyes on Israel and keep our hearts towards God. Amen? That being said, this message has weighed heavy on me this week in a good way. Um, that usually means God's ripping me first and uh, trying to get me to open up and change my attitudes and thinkings. And uh, it has stayed on my heart all week. I've been praying for all of us this week and praying for you, particularly by names, as many as I could remember and that we had in the directory. And I was just praying that God speak to us in, as a church today. We are in a battle for the church. We are in a battle. Every day I, I read in my news feed, on my Google news feed, on my phone, every day I read about another church decline statistic religious decline statistic why the people have walked away from the church why they don't like established religion anymore 
And it goes on and on and on. And then you read about these mega churches that seem to start overnight. You're like, wow. Or you hear of these revivals. You know, it's funny, though, I haven't heard about in some of the revivals that have come out recently in the past few years. You know what I haven't heard? is wow, look at the disciples they're producing. Look at their deep hungry for the word that it's producing. We are called to replicate ourselves. We're called to make disciples. We're not called to just feel good. So let me start this morning with a tough question. Let me ask you this. Has God enjoyed this service so far? Did we think about it? Did we think about it? Sometimes we just assume, of course God enjoyed it. Seriously, isn't that the goal anyway? Well, everybody had a good time maybe in a church service. Everybody enjoyed it. Maybe you liked it. Maybe you've liked it so far this morning. But honestly, have we thought about as God in heaven looks down at our gathering, have we just assumed he likes this? If you look in Scripture, there are lots of times when believers got together and God says, I can't stand the noise of your songs. You pray to me and I'm not going to listen to you. He says there are times when he says this, I wish someone would just shut the doors on that place. In Malachi, he says, I'm not going to accept your offerings. Jesus, in the book of Revelation, he's writing to the churches, and he says, if you don't repent, I'm just going to remove this church. To another church, he says, I'm going to wage war against you with the sword of my tongue. And then another church, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. He's saying that to, to churches. And these aren't churches of Satan. These aren't our weird liberal churches. These are just churches. Is God going to be pleased with this service? Have we consciously thought about that? Did you think to yourself, I hope I please him today? When God looked down and saw you walking in this room, did you have the heart to say, I hope I can serve someone today? Is God pleased right now? Because it's easy for me, I'll be honest with you, to come up here and preach a message. And I think this all the time. I'll be honest. I'm just being honest with you. I think all the time. I hope they like it. I do. Yeah, but I should be thinking, God, I'm speaking for you right now. Oh, God, I hope that you like the way I've portrayed you today, God. Oh, I hope that, that God, you, they see the glory that goes by way, way farther ahead than anything I'd hoped for. And when I'm done with this, God, are you pleased? I'll be honest with you, that statement convicted me like crazy. I hope that when you're listening, when you're thinking, God, I want to listen to your word. When was the last time someone spoke the word of God and you trembled? Jesus wants you in your very core to believe these words all the way to the point of action. When I first began doing ministry, I, 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 I've told you many times, my favorite thing is I get to learn something and I get to share it. It's my favorite thing. And when I first went into ministry, I went for that. I said, I just want to preach everything that's in this book. But I was told, especially when I became a senior pastor, oh, no, 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 no. You've got to be careful of some of those topics. People don't like those. 
I was told, you got to preach a lot on tithing. I remember when I first came up here, there was a church um, not far from here. I won't tell you which one. I had a wonderful relationship with the pastor. And he told me, Eric, let me tell you something, man. You better preach on tithing every single month or you'll go broke. And I'm like, that's, that's not in me. I don't even like doing it once a year. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of it. I want to depend on God, but I know God is using you to supply the needs of this church. And believe me, it's, it's pretty simple. If the people don't, don't give to their storehouse, the storehouse will eventually run empty, and that's why you see so many. We don't have a lot of tithers anymore. The average in any church is about 15% of your congregation will actually tithe, give 10%. And then you wonder why are there so many churches going broke and having to close their doors. We're no different. Look around. When it comes down to it, it can't be what pleases people, can it? It can't be what pleases me. The question needs to be, what pleases God? That's the tug of war, isn't it? I want to be pleased, but I want God to be pleased, and can't we just both get on the same page? So what pleases God? Well, the Scripture gives the greatest commandment, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Boom. Obviously, God wants us to be lovers of him. He wants us to be a bunch of people devoted to worshiping him. But if you continue and you look at Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 37, he says, He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves a son or a daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now the idea, whoever loves a father, mother, wife, kids, or more, that word there is the word philos. Philo. It's an affection. It's an, a passionate word. It's separated from the word that God wants us to love with his love, which is agape love. An all-encompassing love. But when we talk about those, the philo love, the mother, father, husband, wife, children, that's a passionate, affectionate love. And you know what that passion looks like. Listen, we all can tell. We can tell. I remember when uh, Alicia... My daughter, I, I should have thought, I just now thought of this. I wish I had thought of it earlier. I would have shown you the picture. She has this thing when she's with kids. She just glows. I made her my second grade Sunday school teacher for years because she just glowed. And I loved seeing her around kids. I had this one picture of her holding this, this, this kid in her arms, and she's just glowing. A few years later, a couple of years later, I saw a picture of her with Dominic. I went, uh-oh. Same look. You could just tell. You can just tell when people are doting over their new baby. You could tell when people are in love. You just look at them, oh, look at that. Look, you could tell. What's going on? You could tell. My concern is I don't hear a lot of people Talk about Jesus that way. 
I can't tell you the last time I went, man, that person, look at them, that, they're in love with Jesus. I don't hear people saying, man, I was with Jesus this morning. I just can't stop thinking about the time I had with him. It was amazing. I can't believe he loves me so much. I've heard good people, good, wonderful Christian people in church talk about passionate things like NASCAR and fishing. I've heard parents talk about their kids and how incredible they are. I've even seen people talk passionately about their pets. Now, I know they love their kids when they talk about Jesus, but I'm just not hearing people say, I, 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 don't, I don't hear people talk about Jesus that way. People will say, I, I, don't, I don't get your gatherings. I don't get your church things. People will say about prayer meetings, well, I don't get that. You just want to sit for a couple of hours and pray quietly? I'm just not into that. So the typical response is, and I've done this, we'll shorten it. We'll shorten the meeting. Or how about this? We'll bring in a band. We'll bring in a speaker. At what point are we just offensive to God? Because no one just comes to a prayer meeting, I know. No one comes. If it's just us in a room trying to seek his face, we got to spice it up with something. It's like you tell your child, hey, listen, we're going to do this birthday party for you, and I'm going to let you invite your entire elementary classroom of students to your birthday party. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to have them come over to the house. They're going to give you presents, and we're going to sing happy birthday, maybe have a little cake, and they'll go home. Do you think many of your class will come? On the other hand, if I said, hey, we're going to rent out Dave and Buster's. We're going to rent out Chuck E. Cheese. You're going to be able to have free tokens unlimited and play all the games you want. You're going to get all the pizza you want. How many kids do you think will come then? That's right. And I'm frankly tired of big, crazy things. Can I just say three words? God is enough. Isn't there a part of all of us that just longs for just God? Doesn't it sound kind of refreshing? I mean, if I could just get 10 people, 10 people who actually really want to come into the presence of God. They really believe they're talking to him. They really believe when they pray, it might move his hand. Ten people who say, I am going to sit here in a prayer meeting and pray, and I believe God can change the world from Pine Grove. I'm just saying, can we please God? At some point, are we really devoted worshipers? And is God really pleased by that? I mean, doesn't God just want people that love him so much they can't get enough of him? And more we strip away all this other noise and experience more of him, I believe the more we'll want to please him. I mean, number one, God wants us to be a people with our affections on him. Listen, God has not lowered the bar. This book has not changed. He hasn't negotiated. He doesn't say, look to the rich young ruler. Sell everything. And the rich young ruler says, no. Jesus says, say, okay, how about half? 
Jesus does not negotiate when it comes to making our worship to him only. Are we lovers and devoted worshipers of Jesus, or are we creating a consumer generation that will only show up if it meets their needs and their wants? In John chapter 15, verse 9, it says, As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. That's what Jesus wants. And if you read John 15 a little longer on on verse 10, it says, If you keep my commandments you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. He's giving the example. These things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you, that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So if God had it his way, here's his commandment. Abide in me. And then he says, here's the commandment. I want you to love one another as I loved you. So if we're a church really wanting to please him, God says, if you want, I want you to love one another just as I loved you. Let me ask you, do you love that person across the aisle? In the back? In the front? As Christ loves you? To that extent? I mean, that's a pretty big command. I mean, I like a lot of you people, but I don't know, man, Jesus went through a lot. I mean, I do. You know, and I, I use, I, I, you know, it, how can a guy who barely knows somebody love somebody so much? Well, because I am committed to seeing each and every one of you become mature followers in Christ. That's my commitment to you. That is love. I love you. But if someone walked in here Gave their life to Christ, and you don't even know them. Are you willing to go to the cross for them? Are we willing to look across the room at the people we don't like and still love them to that extent? This is how you abide in me, when you love people that way. In fact, earlier in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, he says this, A new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also have loved one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So now he's telling us not only is it a commandment, but this is how people know who Jesus is. This is how we know who you are. This is Jesus speaking right before his death. He says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And this, amazingly, his timing is beautiful. This is when he institutes communion. It's almost like we're saying, well, I know you love me, Jesus, but how do you love me? And he answers the question with the communion. He says, listen, when you take this bread, I want you to break it. And I want you to take this cup. I want you to drink it. And this is my body, and it's broken for you. This is the cup. It's a new promise, a new covenant, a new testament. It's my blood, and it's going to be shed for you. And I want you to commune together with that kind of love. You and whoever else, whoever else is your neighbor, you're going to break this bread. You're going to look at your neighbor, and you need to remember, that's the love I want to have for my brothers and my sisters in my church and in the world. Because the Holy Spirit is a gift. 
and it's to be poured into me and out to you. And it's poured into you to get poured out to others. It's not about what I want. It has to be what pleases God. Oh, Father, help me to get this message right. Help me to represent you, Lord. We can't always be thinking, uh, this church isn't for me. It's not about what you want. It's about what God wants. In fact, Jesus later when he's praying, he says, keep them in your name which you have given them, you've given me, that they may be one as we are one. You know, Father, we have this amazing, you're, you and me are one relationship. Father, let them have that same relationship with each other. John chapter 17. It's up on the screen. Check this out. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one, I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus prays, I want them to be perfectly one like you and I are one. And some of these verses, I'll be honest with you, are hard to believe. I mean, do you believe that Mount Zion Church and the whole church as a whole can be perfectly one? Jesus is setting a pretty high bar, amen? When you gather with other believers, whether it's at their house or at a Bible study or on a Wednesday night or a, or a prayer night, do you believe you can be as one? This is Jesus' dying prayer. God, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Just protect them from evil. <coughs> when he's asking his father, would make, make them one as you and I are one, he says, then they will become perfectly one. He says, the world will believe in those that you sent me. That's, that's his evangelistic program. This is how the world will believe that the Father in heaven sent Jesus, that we become perfectly one. That does not really seem like that would do it. It doesn't seem enough, does it, Bob? We've got to get programmed together, right? We live in a world that says, oh, you just got to have your faith. And it's good for you. And, and, and as long as you don't judge anyone, all the roads lead to heaven. But Jesus says this. What's going to make the world believe is if we become perfectly one. That's what he says. And that's not the way most of us think. It's not the way I think. We think, what if we get some, how about this? We'll do a church service where you get a bunch of scientists together. And a bunch of scientists come up here and they, they prove molecularly that Jesus came or, or that God is real. We'll do, oh, no, no, you know what we'll do? We'll get an athlete. You know, one of those real ones that kneel, that, that, that kneel when they get a touchdown, they go like that, you know, right? you know, like this. Or how about we get a Grammy Award singer to come up here after they got done doing some really raunchy song. But they'll come up here and do Amazing Grace. And we'll be like, oh my gosh. That will win him over to Jesus. 
How about this? I'll perform miracles. The pastor performs miracles. That'll get people. What if we could just heal people? These are the things that we think will work. But God tells us in his word, if you guys would actually just love one another as much as I loved you, you will become perfectly one and the world will believe. First of all, can we really be perfectly one? I mean, is that going to work? Sometimes I read this and I think, wow, I think I could come up with a better plan. But see, I would have thought of a better plan for Jericho as well. Really march around a bunch of times? Come on, God. We've got to stop. We have to stop our own strategies our own thinking, our own wisdom about church. I just, hear me, church. I just really believe if I got a group together, they called themselves followers of Jesus, and their affections were for Jesus, number one, and then we became perfectly one, I would believe that there is power in that. I do. And if I look at the trend And I look at the church in America. I mean, we have access to so many churches online. And we see them on TV, we see them online, we hear about them. But can you tell me one church in America, one, where you go, oh, pastor, here's this church back in the Midwest. They're known for being perfectly one and loving each other. Can you name one? How sad and disappointing is that? None of us can name one church known for the way Jesus tells us we're supposed to be doing church. I can't tell you. I'll tell you what. I can tell you there are churches that are theologically brilliant. I can tell you there are churches that give so much to the poor and they're doing wonderful things. There are churches where it seems like miracles are happening. I could tell you about churches where the music is so good, you just feel you walked right into the presence of God. But it's so crazy with as many of these places that I can't think of one that is like where Jesus says how they're going to know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. I started looking at Ephesians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 11, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the equipping of the saints, the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying or encouraging, uplifting of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of his stature of the fullness of Christ. God says he gives these different gifted people to the church for one reason, to equip the saints for ministry. Why are there leaders in the church? We see them all across this country. There's some celebrity pastors out there that are up there performing for you. But their job is to equip you for doing the ministry. 
Do you believe, you, you today, not just somebody next to you, not the person on the platform, do you believe that you can make disciples without the performance, without the program, and without the professional? Because we as a church as a whole, we do, I mean, the church as a whole, we're pretty good at gatherings. We can say, oh, that service was very convicting. I really felt it in my heart, Pastor. But is it actually going to change us? Are you going to walk out of here and say, I can make disciples? I've got the Holy Spirit. I've got the Word of God. Do you have that confidence today? Because that's what God wants. I'm here to equip you for His Word, and then you change the world from Pine Grove. Amen? It's a thrill to get together every day with people that come before God and expect God to work in us and through us and expect us to be perfectly one. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that the manifestation, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. You, you are one of those each one. I am one of those each one. And it is for the profit of all. It's not just for you. We just finished that spiritual gift series. And do you want the spiritual gift so you can do stuff or is it to bless others? Do you want these spiritual gifts because you love the church? Oh, Father, gifted me. I know it's in there somewhere. I'm going to church this Sunday, and I want to bless somebody today. I'm going to get to church early, and I'm going to look at each and every person, and if I have to wait till meet and greet, then I'm going to wait till meet and greet. But you have given me this gift to bless the church. Was that your prayer this morning? I love them so much. You've got to stop, start working in me, God. I love these people. And so when you show up, are you thanking God that you're going to use you today? For example, how about this? <laughs> what if right now I got possessed by the devil? Now, it's a little early, so it's not going to happen. But let's just say, all of a sudden I come up here, I start foaming at the mouth, start saying some weird stuff, and I'm speaking in Latin, I don't know what it is the, the demons do, whatever they do, and I'm doing all kinds of contortions, and I mean, the devil has taken me over. He's controlling me. But somebody here has been, the, as the gift of the deviation of spirits, being able to discern what the spirit is doing. And so someone comes up, they lay hands on me, and the demon is exercised out and gone. And you saved me by the gift that God has given you by the Holy Spirit. By the way, thank you. <laughs> and you would walk away in this service and you would go, Whoa, you should have been in church today. Pastor got possessed and then delivered. Check it out online. I'm calling everybody I know. And you'll never forget it. I was at church that day when it happened. But let me ask you this. What if the Holy Spirit possessed me and manifested through me as I'm preaching? Shouldn't that be equally as shocking? Shouldn't it be equally 
incredible that the Spirit of God would actually manifest himself through me for the common good. Shouldn't there be a change when that happens in the core of all of us? Because it wasn't me who was speaking. Maybe it wasn't even eloquent speech. Maybe it wasn't even superior wisdom. But it was the power of the Holy Spirit. It was a demonstration of the Spirit, a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Shouldn't that be at least equal to what a demon can do? Do you believe that about yourself? My God, this is possible. Do you believe that this promised manifestation of the Spirit of God is in you for the common good? I'm not supposed to just go and sit and listen every week after week after week. I'm not supposed to just complain that the message wasn't that deep, the music wasn't my style, the kids' program wasn't that good. When we don't equip to release you, you miss out on the manifestation of the Spirit working in you. Is there anything, anything more amazing than that? That's why I still enjoy the ministry so much. For just the chance that it might happen. The chance at this time, God, it could be really be you today. It can really be your spirit manifesting through me. I know me and I can't believe you use me. And I can't believe, God, that because of your manifestation, there's going to be real fruit. There's going to be real change. There's going to be deep calling out deep. Are you hearing me right now? And are you saying to yourself, I believe that, pastor. I want that, pastor. I'm seeking that and I'm believing for that. Because Mount Zion Church, I don't care if there's five people in here or a hundred million people in here. You are a blessing. You were created to be a blessing. Consciously and unconsciously, you are a blessing. Whether you know it or not, you know how I can prove it? I can prove it right now. Because there's someone in this church who doesn't do anything but sleep, lay around, and poop. And can you, I'm not talking to Coulter. And can you honestly tell me that that little not a blessing? What, what, what do you do? That's the amazing thing. We're all children of God. We're all his children. We're his sons and his daughters. And we are the blessing. We are the change for this world. We are the vessels of his manifestation of his Holy Spirit. We are the ones that can unify together. And no matter what happens outside these walls, whether it's red, blue, I don't care. We can unify in here for the kingdom of God so that all may come to believe that the Father sent the Son. People should be mature enough to go out there and be a blessing to one another. And I'm not hearing people talk about affection for Jesus like they really mean it. Why? I mean, it just feels like sometimes churches are there to collect people rather than send them out. 
I think about some of the big productions I've done. I was really thinking about this Christmas production we did every year, and I would have over 80 people, including children, in this thing. And we would, I remember, the reason I think I was thinking about it, because August was when the packages went out. And we had auditions at the end of August. In September, we began production of rehearsals, building stages. We met uh, two times a week in September. And then October, we kicked it up to three times a week. And we had people all day down there building sets. And then when we got into December, man, we were meeting every chance we could to rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. 80 people, hours and hours for months and months, weeks and weeks. And I was thinking about this message when I think about those productions. And I thought, what if we all just stayed in our neighborhoods and talked to our neighbors? What if we just invited them over for dinner, told them about Jesus? I, I think that would have accomplished more than that production, and it certainly would have cost a lot less money. But the problem is, people are not willing to do that. It's true. Most people aren't going to tell people about Jesus. That's just the way it is. I don't want to be like that. We should be instead look to people. I mean, think about it. People are willing to dress up like a reindeer and sing away in the manger, but they're not willing to tell people that you've got the Spirit of God and I've received power by the Holy Spirit and I've been called to be His witness. When I was a youth pastor, it was always bring your friends, bring your friends, bring your friends. Then let the youth pastor speak to them. Oh, we're going to bring in a speaker. Bring your friends to a Sunday service. And soon we will have a generation of people who don't know how to share the gospel. As a children's pastor, I remember parents saying, well, I don't know how to lead my child to Christ. That's why we bring them to children's church. How many people who gather on a Sunday, what percentage do you actually think actually share the gospel? That actually go out and share the gospel that week, that year? And isn't it a little bit embarrassing that we can't look at another human being, look him in the eye, tell him the best news in the world and the most important things in our lives and we can't share it? You know what the problem is? Our churches, in America especially, our churches are so stoppable. We're so easily stopped. Stop it, Siri. I'm not talking to you. You know why? Because the minute things get difficult, we change it. Oh, that's service time. People are having a tough time getting there. Let's change it. Oh, the service is too long there. We need to change it. We need to make it more convenient. Oh, my kids got sports on that day. We need to have another service maybe on a Saturday night because that way they'll be there. We constantly are changing things to appease the world. And I think most of us, when we hear sermons, we listen and we think, okay, I hear what you're saying, Pastor, but I really, and I really appreciate it, but can I still have my life? Can I, can I be obedient to this passage and still have my life? Can I, can I still keep things the way I want to keep them 
and read your word? The Bible says no. The Bible says lose your life and you will gain it. Or would this book, maybe that's why a lot of you don't read it. I know, it's, would it interrupt? Would it interrupt your life? We're talking about losing your life, folks. We say it all the time. Lord, I give you my life. I give you my life, Lord. I mean, not the everyday stuff I like to do, but just, you know, those things. I give you my heart, but I don't want to tell people about you. God, would there be today a demonstration of your power? Do we pray that? I want people to know you, Lord. Will you use me today by the power of your Holy Spirit? God, I want to manifest it. I want the gift manifested. I want to, but I'm going to have to surrender everything. You know, there's a church. I was listening to this message very similar by Francis Chan, and he was talking about a church in, in uh, Singapore. And uh, this was at a time when they had to be an underground church. An underground church. I knew I should have kept this in my notes, but I didn't. <laughs> and uh, the, the underground church, all of a sudden, they got some freedom. So what they used to meet was underground. They would meet in these secret places in different homes all around, different places. And then, then they got the freedom, and they, they thought, oh, let's do it like the church in America. And they built a big building, and, and tens of thousands of people came out. I think they had almost a million people in Singapore come to, come to their services over the week. And then all of a sudden, they shut them down again. And you know what the pastor told, told, was, was talking about this? He said it was the best thing that ever happened. He said, when we had tons of people coming to our church, I couldn't get people to do anything. I couldn't get people to volunteer. I couldn't get people to share the gospel. I couldn't get people to do anything in church. They would just come and sit, sit hear a sermon, listen to music, and go. He said, we built our church, and I can't remember all the pillars. I mean, one was on the Word of God, praying. They expected miracles. They expected, oh, and the fourth one was they expect people to be evangelists. And the fifth core that the common belief they had was, we rejoice in suffering for Christ. That's a pillar. We rejoice in our suffering. When they had to go back underground, the church began to grow again. People began to be discipled again. Because people had to go make disciples themselves. They couldn't just bring them to church. Matthew chapter 16 says, Who do you say that I am? Jesus is saying to Peter. Simon Peter replies, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood, blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church has been built on the proclamation, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And that's what I'm going to give my all to. Because the church is that beautiful. The church is that important. 
and the glory of Christ among the nations, that's what I live for. And I truly believe this, church. If we could change our mindset, what pleases God? Is God pleased? I believe we can change the world. I really, really do. We could stand to our feet. I'm passionate about this. I tried to find some nicer way to say it. I, I couldn't. I trust the Holy Spirit is speaking to all of us today, including me. That we got to turn our affections back onto him. Now, I, I like a nice church building. We're going to do improvements. We need some functional things, but I also aesthetically. But really, when it comes down to our services, when it comes to whether you're going to come to church or not, whether you're going to serve in church or not, are you looking to your needs or the needs of others? When it comes to sharing the gospel or volunteering somewhere, are you more concerned about you or the needs of others? Are you more worried about, I'm embarrassed, I don't know enough, I'm shy, I, 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 I. And you keep throwing up all the, all the arrows that Satan has thrown at you and you just keep throwing them up in the air again. Or are you going to say, no, I have Christ living in me. I have the power of the Holy Spirit in me. And I'm going to be courageous and I'm going to be bold and I'm going to step out in areas I have no idea where I'm stepping out to, but God goes before me and who can be against me? What if today is the day? Today is the day that you manifest the Holy Spirit and do a miracle today. What if today, online, somebody's watching today going, Pastor, I've, I can't believe God is doing this in me, and I'm going to step out in faith and do something. I can't believe I'm going to do this, God, but I'm going to do it because I know it pleases you. God, I'm scared to death to do this, but I'm going to do it because I believe in you. God, I have no idea what I'm doing but I'm going to do it because you called me to do it. God, I'm going to sacrifice when I know I need that, but I'm going to trust that you will supply all my needs. I'm going to sacrifice that unto you. At what point have we got to put our affections back onto Jesus? So Father, that's my goal, that you are pleased this morning. Please, because we're turning our eyes towards you. We are turning our affections and our passions towards you. And we are going to look to you to help us be unified. To help us love one another more than we ever loved each other before. That we would live our lives as if we were under persecution to the point we were underground. How would we behave then as a church? Or maybe we just need to realize we are in those times when the church will be persecuted for our beliefs, but we have got to continue to love our neighbors. Bless our neighbors. Because it's your love in us to work in us and then to work through us under the power of the Holy Spirit. There are some here today, God, I just want to rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus. The enemy has convinced you that you're not worthy. That you've done too many wrong things. You've had too many wrong thoughts. You've said too many wrong things. You've, you've just walked down a road you wish you never walked down, but you did it anyway. The Lord your God loves you right where you are. 
And he wants to use you because you are now clothed in Christ's righteousness and the old person is reckoned dead and you are a new creation in Jesus. Stop convincing yourself that you're that old person. You're not. There are some here today that are scared to death of the words that I'm speaking and praise God because I believe they come from you that you are bringing to mind people online and people here today that you need to share the gospel, the important things, with, because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, or in the years to come. And you've been wanting to share the gospel, but you've been afraid of offending, afraid you don't have the answers, afraid you don't do it right. And I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. You are fearfully and wonderfully made And you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Never doubt that God made you purposely for him. So Father, we come before you to ask forgiveness where we've come short of this. But we take a new step today in a new direction. We walk a different route. We are going to think differently, God. And we are going to be your servants, your disciple, your follower. And we are going to go out and change the world from Pine Grove. I believe that. Do you believe that, church? Amen, amen. God bless you. I love you. Go be the gospel for someone today and meet us at the church Friday at 2.30 or 3 o'clock, right? So we can go bless Pine Grove Elementary, right? Okay. Amen. God bless you.